University Traditions knows that most sports fans are looking for clothing that you can wear everywhere, but also gives a nod to your favorite team and homegrown roots. That passion and inspiration led them to create some of the best-looking hats that we at the 3Tech Pod have ever had the pleasure to wear. So we teamed up. Guys, I'm telling you, these hats are incredible. And, you know, we all here at the 3Tech, we are all fans of that school down in College Station. I have to say, the College Station collection, it looks fantastic. But even those other schools that they have, the Auburn collection, the Knoxville collection, Fayetteville, Nashville, you name it, their hats look fantastic. So whatever team you are looking to represent, they've got a hat for you. Listeners of this podcast can get a 15% discount off their entire order by using code 3TECH15 at checkout. That's T-H-R-E-E-T-E-C-H-1-5 at checkout 3TECH15. Head on over to University Traditions website or search for them on social media. Tell them that the 3TECH pod sent you and grab yourself some of the best looking hats on the market. You'll love their styles and feel the tradition with each new hat you own. One man. Goodbye. Hello, Heisman. 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, 45, 50, 45. There goes Davis. Oh, my God. Davis is going to run it all the way back. Auburn's going to win the football game. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome in to yet another edition of the Three Technique, the college football podcast at the intersection of the X's and O's and the Jimmys and the Joes. I'm Trey Reeves. I'm joined over on the other side of the Metroplex by Mr. Garrett Turney. Garrett, got to take in a little baseball this afternoon in the third Metroplex city, Arlington. The Rangers are red hot to start the year, so we're really excited about that. But as baseball season is heating up, both in the college level and uh, professional level we have a lot going on in college football as well spring football's in full swing we just got some rule updates dropped to us on friday afternoon i believe and of course the nfl draft what we've been talking a lot about is coming up this week we are less than a week away from the start of the nfl draft garrett lots going on man how are you feeling I'm feeling fantastic. I love getting out there for those baseball games at the new park. It's a nice stadium. I know it opened up a few years ago, but it still feels so new for me. Um, and obviously, you know, getting out for baseball is a lot of fun. We also like getting out for spring football as well. I heard you got to go down and uh, enjoy a little spring football, post some pictures to the account. How was that for you? Yeah, I you know, I took in about a quarter of the uh, <laughs> UT Longhorn spring football game. Got to see Arch Manning's debut. Um Saw a lot uh, that we can get into a little bit later. <laughs> and, you know, I think the prevailing opinion, I saw a lot of tweets that, you know, Texas is a national title contender off of that spring game. Uh, I don't know about that. I, yeah, I got some I, questions about that. Yeah. I only saw one quarter live. Uh, I was down there on a school trip and the students were ready to go after about a quarter. But, um, <laughs> you know, we'll get into it later. We do. We are going right. to have a kind of a spring roundup segment here um, to kick things off of here in a bit. But. Before we do that, Garrett, we did have that big news drop this week. Uh, Dennis Dodd has kind of been all over this new timing rules update. And so um, if you remember a few, I I guess it's been a couple months ago now, we did have um, the rumor that they were considering five uh, rule adjustments with regard to timing. Speaking of baseball, you know, just so many of these sports in the era of shorter attention spans and the era of social media, looking to speed up the game and kind of um package it in a smaller more digestible package college football is no different and three things were passed uh highlighted by uh clocks stop no longer stopping on first downs for the first time since 1968 so the clock will no longer stop after first downs in college football until the last two minutes of the second and fourth quarter so both halves Teams are also banned from calling back-to-back timeouts, and we will no longer have untimed downs to end the first and third quarter. If there's a penalty on the last play, they'll just push those to the second and fourth quarter, respectively. Obviously, the big headline, though, is the lack of the clock stop on first down. 
Garrett, I've seen a lot of mixed reactions to this. I know personally, this is a rule that I like. I think it will speed up the game pretty exponentially. Um, and, you know, it'll also get a lot of players ready for the next level when the clock does not stop on first downs in the NFL. Definitely going to take some getting used to, I think, in the first few weeks of this season, though. It'll definitely take some getting used to. I think the thing that I, I've typically liked this rule just because I think it does give some diversity to the play calling style and what you can do on offense. So for example, right, if you're just a ball control offense and you're a strong running team, you have a a built-in advantage because you're able to control the clock, really just control that time of possession, do what you need to do to keep the ball out of the other team's hands. Maybe you have a weaker defense. I don't know, just whatever the reason is that they have for being more of a ball control offense. Versus, for example, we've talked about like in the past with air raid offenses who, you know, they they might fizzle out real quick or they could just, you know, march down the field and, you know, paper cut you to death. I I think it takes a little bit away from the diversity there. I do think that you will see a little bit more of a uniformity in the way that you run offense. Not necessarily a bad thing, but similar to how in the NFL there aren't a lot of different, like massively different schemes. You have coaches who are better at running offenses. You have better talent. But I don't think in the NFL you see as much of a different scheme or as much of a different approach from team to team, right? Some teams withstanding, obviously. Some teams are very different the way they run. You know, I'm thinking teams like, you know, the Baltimore Ravens. They're obviously a very run-heavy team. All that to be said, I do think it'll be good long-term to help speed the game up. At the time that they announced all these rules were rumored to come out, we mentioned that we thought the biggest thing you can do to speed up the game is to cut all these unnecessary commercial breaks. And I still hold to that. I still think it would have been better to just say, hey, let's limit how many times you can cut away. Be like in basketball where you have certain times where you can take certain timeouts and, you know, you have a certain like under 10 minute, under five minutes, something like that, instead of just cutting away to, you know, commercials all the time. So, you know, I, I think overall this will be just fine most of these rules i don't think you'll really even notice that much um and and i'm not such a such a homer on the hey we got to stop the clock after first down right i'm not such a homer on that that i think that oh that has to happen but i am curious to see where that goes that's the only one that i think has a chance of maybe we go back on that at some point but maybe people like it maybe people see what's happening in baseball with the retention you know from you know the the pitch clock shortening games maybe we see that happen in college football and people are more likely to want to stick around and watch a game yeah and I mean I I've today was my first MLB game with the new pitch clock rules and you know even from watching it on TV I was skeptical at first but I absolutely love the pitch clock as a baseball fan I think you know we were out of that game Garrett today and what two and a half hours um and it yeah, was like two and a half hours it was great it was an exciting game, you know, lots of action, not stopping. I think we had one pitch clock violation on one of the teams. But, yeah, I mean, I am all for more action and less stoppage. But you're exactly right. The biggest way to do that, which is unfortunately never going to happen with the way that these conferences and networks and schools make money, is cutting down on those commercials. That is never going to happen, in my opinion, unfortunately, because yeah. of how much money is involved. And we also, you know, I think the other no-brainer is to take away the review system because yeah, we stop every other play to review. And I get the booth-initiated reviews for targeting. That's probably not going away from a player safety standpoint. But do we really need to review if the ball was caught, you know, an extra yard down the field to make it second and six instead of second and seven? Right. We really need, you know, on the play that it was a catch for – I don't know, fourth and uh, make it third and 17 instead of third and 27 uh, or fourth and 27. Do we really need to review that? You know, make the coaches challenge it if they really care about it. If it's really that important, do exactly like the NFL does. It's a coach's challenge until the last two minutes of each half. Then it can be booth reviewed. All scoring plays and turnovers are automatically reviewed. So the biggest plays are actually, you know, reviewed and can be stopped. But if it's just a completion or if it's just a minuscule play in the scheme of things, make the coaches have to challenge that. Make them use a challenge and give them two or three per game so that we're not stopping every five seconds for just ridiculous review purposes. That would be the best way to speed up the game. But stopping on first downs, I think, is a step in the right direction if we do want to speed up the process. So I don't know. Mixed reviews here from me. 
I think the other two are kind of no brainers. Obviously calling yeah. back, back timeouts is really unnecessary. Freezing the kicker doesn't really work anymore. It was novel in like 2005, but we're way past that. And, you know, the untimed downs, that that was just stupid from the beginning. That was just kind of yeah. a rule quirk that I think we're finally getting out of a loophole. But before we move on, any other thoughts from you, Garrett? No, I think that's pretty much it. I think of the coach's challenge, I mean, it's a great point. Make the coach do something, right? Like, what's the point of the red hanky if you don't get to throw it ever, right? And, and you know, it, it puts the coach in a position to think about, well, is it worth me maybe losing a timeout that I might want at the end of the half, especially in a second half game where you're like, do I want to challenge that one where it looked like he might have gotten a toe down inbounds or maybe he barely slipped it outside so it's not really a catch? You know, it's, put, put yourself in a position where you're – you're putting the coach in a position rather to do something and to strategize. And if he's right, he's right. And then your guys upstairs get their money. You know, you're, you're making the guys upstairs work yeah. um, and you're making everybody yeah, do their actual in the job. Press box, put them to work for something. Yeah, exactly. Cause the other thing about it too, is these coaches have a rooting interest in the game, right? They care about winning. These yeah. refs don't care. So if it's a little, eh, they're going to just check it to make sure they do their job right, which I get, they want to do their job right. They don't want people coming back yelling at them after the fact that, Oh, I couldn't believe you missed that. But that also takes it off the refs and it puts it on the coach. So you'd have less complaining about, you know, in-game calls and, well, they should have reviewed that. I can't believe they missed that. And then you can put that on, well, the other team's coach messed it up. And, you know, we have the game within the game of the other team trying to snap the ball quickly. Mm -hmm. You can't blame the refs anymore. If it's a coach's initiated challenge, like get your red flag out, brother. Get Come on, get Get it it going. Yeah, we got to get this thing going. And, yeah, you can't blame the refs for not buzzing in quite fast enough. If you're the other team, you can't there, – there's no gray area, right? Like I think some fans would be – could probably point to examples in their own team's games where it felt like they snapped the ball, but the ref, we have this mysterious buzzer that yeah. apparently buzz that no one can see, but there's a red flag. Yeah, whistled in halfway through the play, yeah. Right, right, or inadvertent whistles, whatever it could be. But if we have sure. a red flag on the field, then obviously – you know, that was there before the snap or it wasn't there before the snap. So mm-hmm. yeah, that that's the biggest no brainer to me. And we did not see that from this iteration of rule changes. Also weird quirk was division three is not on board with this. I don't know if you saw this, but division three kind of like unprecedented in college football, division one and division two are adopting the no clock stoppage on first downs. Division three kind of threw up the middle finger and said, we're going to keep doing it and you can make a stop if you want to. Good so, for you, D3. Stand yeah, up for yourselves. Committing to the bit um, for Division Three and just kind of being independent. So um, the article I read said it's like kind of unprecedented and we don't really know how that's going to work. But yeah, I guess credit to those schools for not uh, not bowing to the pressure from the other bigger what, Was there a report of a like a middle-aged balding guy going, there are dozens of us, dozens, <laughs> doing that whole deal? Yeah, no, no word on Tobias Fumke what he wants to do. Who knows? Um, here, but yeah, so we'll see how that plays out. It could be really interesting. Obviously, I don't honestly don't know if there's any cross divisional matchups between D three and D two. I'm sure there are, kind of like FCS FBS, but could be interesting if you follow yep. that super closely. But Garrett, uh, closer to the bigger schools, we had some a big weekend for spring football. As April draws to a close, these last couple weekends of April. Typically really big for spring games. I talked about my experience at the uh, Texas spring game a little bit. Last weekend we had AM, we had a plethora of other schools. But this weekend, uh, some of the biggest names in college football took to the spring stage. Alabama, Notre Dame, LSU. We got to see Coach Prime for the first time at Colorado. We got to see Matt Rule for the first time in Nebraska. Let's just do a whip around here through these spring games. And after that, we will get into some more NFL draft coverage. But, you know... Starting at the top, I think Alabama, we talked about this, you know, over the course of the last couple episodes, but Alabama has one of the most intriguing quarterback battles to me in the entire country coming into this year between Jalen Milrow, Ty Simpson, neither one really impressed yesterday in the spring game. Um, No word on the weather conditions. I know that that's a typical excuse from some fan (laughs) base. It was Uh, windy, okay? Could have been windy. You know, we never know. But Simpson and Milrow... (laughs) Combined to throw three interceptions, I believe, on about 62 uh, pass attempts between the two of them. Neither one of them really did a lot to separate themselves in that competition. So, Garrett, I don't want to beat a dead horse here because I know we've talked about this quarterback competition, excuse me, easy for me to say, before on this program. But 
yeah, any takeaways from that performance that we got yesterday that kind of put that action on the field? I mean, look, it just kind of goes to what we've been talking about that, you know, Alabama's, this is going to be the first time since I think we said 2015 that they're not going to have a guy who's, you know, all world, you know, won a championship or going to the NFL top draft pick. Like it's been a while since they haven't had a guy that reliable behind center. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's going to be interesting to watch. You know, Jalen Miller, obviously he's, hasn't necessarily been impressive in the action we've seen him in so far. He's an absolute stud of an athlete. The kid can run. Kid is very physical. And he's made some good throws, obviously, but just hasn't necessarily been impressive as a pocket passer overall. Simpson, haven't still seen very much of him. But what we saw in the spring game, not necessarily impressed. Yeah, it's the spring. Yes, they're breaking in a new offensive coordinator. Yes, there's all those factors. Okay, all the things that you're going to say. Well, it's just because Tommy Reese just got here. We're just waiting for him to get his offense installed and da-da-da-da. But I think if you're Alabama fans, you have to look up and say, it's been a couple of years of watching Georgia win the national championship. And we're not too happy with that. It's been a couple of years since you've had that taste of glory. And then, you know, it's, it's funny to say, Oh, it's been like three years. So, you know, they're, they're starting to get a little antsy over there. You know, when most of our not teams have died to be in that position. But... Yeah. There's like a hundred and like what 125 that haven't touched a national championship trophy in like a decade. So, you know, or more than that for most of them, but you know, it, it's, it just goes to show that the standard at Alabama obviously is different. Right. Obviously it's going to be a different standard for, a, you know, the greatest coach of all time, probably with Nick Saban. Um, I think you have to look at this and be a little concerned. I think that that's worth noting is that, you know, the quarterback situation isn't exactly there. You know, who do they have in the stable? I know Jameer Gibbs is out. Not as many running backs that I'm necessarily confident in. They have some good ones and some talent, but maybe not as many guys that I would say that's your top of the line guy at the receiving core. I'm not necessarily as impressed with guys as I have been in the past. And so I think you just have to look around at Alabama and say, we're going to need some guys to step up as a team, get some real good coaching out of Nick Saban to get this team to be where it normally needs to be, especially with teams like LSU really coming up and looking really good. We'll talk about them in a second. Yeah. And especially knowing that you're going to have to play Tennessee, who's going to continue to look good. You might have a couple of losses on your schedule. And, and, and it feels weird to say talking about Alabama, right? It feels weird to say that about Alabama, but that might be where we are. Yeah. And, you know, I think this is not just from a quarterback perspective. We really talked about that. We've kind of beaten that horse to death with the quarterback position even when they were making the transition from Hertz to Tua or Tua to Bryce Young, you could look at the spring game and see, wow, that guy right there, he is obviously the heir apparent. He is going to take the baton. He is obviously going to be in the NFL in a couple of years. First time since 2015 that we cannot say that about the guy playing quarterback for Alabama. We also at every other position, I feel like just have more unproven talent than we have in close to a decade probably for Nick Saban's Alabama team. It's going to be fascinating to see if this staff can put together. I know they're going to be competitive, obviously, but a championship caliber uh, run this season with all that unproven talent. Obviously they have so many blue chips. They're still going to have one of, if not the highest blue chip ratios in the nation. Maybe Georgia might be a little higher. I haven't checked that uh, statistic yet for this year, but it is going to be a, a, situation that we haven't seen in Tuscaloosa in quite some time. So it's going to be fascinating to watch. I don't think a lot of those questions were answered this weekend. So going into the summer, going into the fall camp, it's going to be fascinating to watch the headlines come out of Tuscaloosa. Let's actually stay in the SEC West and talk about those LSU Tigers because for all the questions that Alabama has, I think LSU has just as many answers right now because the big knock on their offense was, can they be explosive in the passing game with Jaden Daniels? Well, all he did yesterday was go 10 of 11 for over 160 yards and two touchdowns. And you put in our notes, is he on Heisman watch in the spring? And I think the answer to that question is absolutely yes. Maybe one of the only players that could take it from him is his teammate on the other side of the ball, Harold Perkins, who just picked up right where he left off in the spring game unblockable at times last year and kept that up on Saturday. So, I mean, if you're betting right now, if you're putting your money right now on the SEC West champion, you're probably, if you're making a smart bet, it's probably on LSU, right? Not Alabama. Yeah. LSU has to be the heavy favorite right now, especially after what Jaden Daniels just did. He's an absolute stud. 
Um, they, they put together, I think it was like a 70 yard touchdown pass next somewhere. I think that I might be wrong about that. That might've been a different spring game, but regardless, he looked amazing. He looked like he picked up right where he left off. Um, Harold Perkins, I mean, just an absolute beast right there. They had some really good linebackers. The one thing that, you know, you look at the reports coming out of that spring game, not necessarily as strong at corner which I know is typically a place where they play really, really well. I know there's a lot of turnover there. They've got a lot of transfers coming in, notably Denver Harris from Texas A&M going over to uh, LSU to, you know, kind of take a job there. We'll see kind of how that whole situation shakes out. Uh, Coach Kelly was not super pleased with the performance in the spring game. That might just have something to do with Jaden Daniels, though, right? That might just have something to do with the fact that he's a bad man. And I do think that you're, if you're looking around just at the beginning of the season, you're looking for who's going to be the quarterback at the team that's going to be in the lead and playoff position. Those teams typically tend to have Heisman-type guys. How do you argue against LSU right now? I mean, I'm not necessarily afraid of Alabama if I'm LSU. There's nobody else in the SEC West that really scares me. I know A&M has lots of talent, but they've yet to prove that they're going to do anything with it. Uh, you know, well, and a lot of that talent uh, has just gone right out the window. Oh, yeah, well, and a lot of it has gone out the window. Oh. You're right. No, and, and Arkansas, they have a quarterback coming back. Didn't play very well last year. You know, Mississippi schools, they're going to be just fine, but we still got a lot to worry about at the quarterback position for Ole Miss, and who knows what that looks like. I don't think anyone's really afraid of Auburn right now, unfortunately. Um, and, you know, you you just look around and you're saying, I don't know that we're necessarily scared of these guys on our schedule. You could see an LSU team, you know, 9-0, and 10-0 at the end of the season with Jaden Daniels steering the ship and, and prime Heisman candidacy. And, and when you look across the nation, you know, they don't like to do repeats. So maybe Caleb Williams isn't that guy. You know, I, I, I don't know. We'll see. Um, but no, Jaden Daniels is absolutely on Heisman watch. And I think that LSU is absolutely in the driver's seat. If they can, it's, if they can finish the corner position, right? That was the only real issue on that squad. They have good running backs, Noah Kane coming back, you know, they're, they're going to be stacked across the board. Um, and they're going to be better on the inside. That was the real question coming out of last season was in, in terms of the defensive tackles, you know, there wasn't necessarily a whole lot there. They're a little bit small, a little undersized. Teams could sometimes run the ball on them. They're getting a couple guys back from injury, getting a couple guys in that are going to be a lot better on the interior. I think that they're going to be in for a huge season. I'm right there with you. I think I, I was going back and forth on LSU, but I think I'm on the bandwagon now to fully back them as the post-spring penciled-in SEC West champion. I think when we do our next three-tech top 25, not sure when that's going to be, but they're probably going to be in the top five for all three of us. If I had to guess another team that stock is definitely up based on off season acquisitions, Notre Dame fighting Irish Sam mm-hmm. Hartman is probably the biggest high impact transfer portal pickup, maybe in the entire nation. Um, definitely at the quarterback position this year. And he now might have an explosive number one receiver in Jaden Greathouse, the early enrollee. Listen to Statline Garrett caught 11 passes for 118 yards in his Fighting Irish debut. Obviously, that's coming from multiple different quarterbacks, and he'll just have Sam Hartman throwing. But, man, Sam Hartman just couldn't have been better on Saturday. 13 of 16 for 189 and two touchdowns, no interceptions. And he could be the piece that the Fighting Irish need to just really finally be explosive on offense. They've always had that identity of ground and pound, maybe hit the tight end for a big player two per game, and then win on defense. But... With Sam Hartman running the show on offense, I think that they could finally have that explosivity that could take them to the next level. Right, and the big thing with them, obviously, losing Tommy Reese to Alabama, we just talked about him, they're going to be looking for something on offense. they got to figure out something to make the offense you know, tick, make things go better. I think bringing in some fresh blood, just saying, hey, let's see who's in here, plug some pieces in, see what happens, I think that's going to go a long way for Marcus Freeman's club. I, I Look, I mean, Marcus Freeman, he had all this hype – Coming into last season, they faltered a little bit, ended up with a good, you know, sort of finish to the season, played a lot better than I think most of us expected them to towards the end of the season. And I think they're going to carry that into next year. Look, Jaden Greathouse, I don't know how he didn't get more offers and more committable offers to big time programs. Good job with Notre Dame jumping on that early and and getting in there, making sure they could get him uh, to, to head on up there and play for Notre Dame. I, I, man, I just I gotta say, man, Sam Hartman, he is he is that guy, right? He's we talked about it with Jaden Daniels. Sam Hartman might be challenging him this year. The the issue, obviously, for Notre Dame not playing in a conference, 
maybe not always having that good a quality of win. It, their schedule, I, I can't remember what the schedule looks like this year. I, I don't have it up in front of me, but I it should be up. a very winnable schedule for them with Hartman at the helm. I've got it pulled up, and typically, yes, that is the knock on Notre Dame. That will not be a problem this year if they can run the table. They open with Navy in Ireland. They've got Tennessee State at NC State, Central Michigan, but then it gets really fun. Ohio State at home at Duke, who could be a dark horse ACC championship Mm -hmm. uh, contender, at Louisville, Caleb Williams and USC at home before closing against Pitt at Clemson, Wake Forest at Stanford. So we've got a lot of opportunities this year, man. And I think Sam Hartman be able to go toe to toe he's shown it in the past at wake forest with lesser talent around him notre dame is going to be one to watch this year if they can navigate that schedule even if they slip up one time if they finish that schedule at 11 and 1 i think they're definitely um, a good shot for that number four spot in the playoff a team that some other people have said could make a tcu like run i don't really see this but (laughs) we've been open about that before but colorado man I don't know how much we want to get into the game for sure. We can talk about Shadur Sanders' performance yesterday, but if you haven't seen it, just look on Twitter for the video comparing the 2022 spring game to the 2023 spring game. You can count on your hands and feet the number of people in the stands in the 2022 spring game (laughs) for Colorado. This year it was a packed house. Not a lot of empty seats for a spring game. I couldn't tell you the last time there's been this much excitement in Boulder, probably when they won the national championship in 1990. And man, Coach Prime has that program just revved up to take a step forward this year. How big of a step remains to be seen, but the talent is definitely there. The coaching seems like it's going to be there. Now, the only thing that uh, we have to question is how that'll compare to their Pac-12 schedule and facing a couple of tough non-conference tests. But Man, the talent was on display yesterday, and he had uh, Shadir Sanders. I'll just get into the stat line real quick. 16 of 19 for 234 and three touchdowns, including a 98-yard touchdown pass. And he hit Travis Hunter for like a 70-yarder, I think, if I'm remembering correctly. So first touchdown of the game was the connection to Travis Hunter, guy that could play both ways for Coach Prime. You think you hear that name, you think he's probably going to be a defensive guy, but definitely getting a lot of reps on offense as well. I know we've beaten Colorado to death. I don't necessarily want to talk um, a lot about their expectations because we've talked about that a lot, but man, it's fun to have Colorado relevant again, isn't it? Oh, for sure. And the big thing that I thought about that was the fans came out despite snowy conditions. Like they're having to wipe snow off of their seats. They had to get out there and like treat the field beforehand and everything. Like this was not a fun game from a weather standpoint to show up for. And the place was packed. I mean, it was 45,000 probably strong at a spring game for them, which is, I mean, massive numbers, especially for a lot of SEC schools who are better than a lot of the SEC schools. And we've been critical of Shadur Sanders. I don't know how much his play yesterday had to do with the fact that it it was playing against Colorado's defense. I don't know how much that had to do with it. Probably a lot, but um, he, he did look really good. I mean, he looked he looked like the kind of guy who should be warranting, you know, Heisman consideration in the preseason. Now, again, I don't think that that's going to bear. I don't think that he will play at that level for the whole season. I'm perfectly willing to be proven wrong if Colorado is, you know, if we look up in Colorado's, you know, seven and one or something like that midway through the season, I'd be thrilled for a Colorado Renaissance tour. That'd be a lot of fun. Um, Travis Hunter did play really well. He caught a little you know, nice in and out for a touchdown, um, ran a really good route, just cooked his guy across from him. And then the the 98 yarder went to, I, I can't remember which one, but one of the very few players that held over from the previous team. Um, he, he stuck around. It was a blown coverage, just caught it wide open. I think he ran past a couple guys, kind of hit stuck a guy real quick and then got in the end zone. So a lot of fun, at least on display for Colorado, which I think is what they need. They just need something fun to root for, something to be there for. We saw it firsthand a couple of years ago. That fan base will get up for a big game. They will show up if the team has something to root for. Give them something to root for. We'll, we'll see what can happen. I think that they're – I would slide them at least up out of the cellar in the Pac-12 and put them on like the maybe lower middling type team which you know might be fighting for barely a bowl eligibility type of thing, which already is a huge step in the right direction for Deion Sanders in Colorado. 
Yeah, and that is a passionate, rowdy fan base when the Buffaloes mm-hmm. are winning, even when they're not winning. It's a very passionate, yeah. rowdy fan base, but there's just more of them showing up when they are winning. So I'm excited to see what the Buffaloes can do in year one. A lot of opportunities to you know, prove themselves very early. Week one and week two at TCU and hosting Nebraska, the former Big 8 and Big 12 rival in Boulder. I think they get one of those two games. I think Nebraska is definitely more likely, but I think they're going to get at least one of those two games and have a puncher's chance in the other one as well. So we'll see how that all shakes out. We'll see uh, if there's any more portal additions or anything like that for Coach Prime before the season begins. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Garrett, the way more pressing matter at hand, spring ball's fun. Those are scrimmages. Now it's time for the main event of the football offseason. That is the NFL draft. We have some draft prop bets and predictions for you guys. Garrett and I are going to go back and forth predicting um, some of the popular prop bets. This is not financial advice. Let me just say that right now. But you can find these at your favorite sports book. My odds are from FanDuel. And they are shifting like crazy every day. So if you hear a number on this show, it was uh, as of Sunday afternoon, the uh, 23rd. And these are shifting like crazy every day as more mock drafts come out and more leaks that may or may not be true are uh, coming out about what these teams plan to do. So Garrett, let's jump into it. The first one we have on the board is the number one overall pick. Your top four, I think the only four that were available on FanDuel. We're Bryce Young at minus 2,000, CJ Stroud at plus 1,000, Anthony Richardson at 2,500, and Will Levis at plus 4,500. The four quarterbacks that are expected to go in the first round, Garrett, any indication um, from your end, who are you taking um, with this pick? See, if it were me, if I'm the GM of this team, I'm going to take CJ Stroud. Which, if you've listened to the podcast, that's a little bit of a hot take maybe for me because last season I went nuts on the fact that C.J. Stroud could not handle the pressure. When the moment got too hot, he folded. And yet I'm still going to say that they should take him first. I do like the tools better. And I think we saw something different in that Georgia game when they're playing in the college football semifinal game. There was something else about his game. He was, you know, confident. He took off and ran when he needed to, really effective with his legs, um, and really led them against a team that clearly was one of the best teams that we've seen in a long time. Those Georgia Bulldogs demolished TCU in the natty. I think you know they were a missed field goal away at midnight from winning a championship last year under C.J. Stroud, and maybe that changes the calculus a little bit for the for the the first overall pick, but I still think he's your best player overall. I know that's not how it shook out in the mock draft, but I think he's the best player. I think the tools are better. I think the intangibles are a little bit better. Um, I know, obviously, Bryce Young, he's played extremely well um, throughout his career. I just think I've seen it a little bit more as C.J. Stroud at the highest possible level. Um, haven't necessarily seen it as much out of Bryce Young. Um, and and that's that's pretty much all that I have to say about that. The one thing I will say Oh my God, please do not pick Anthony Richardson or Will Levis with the first <laughs> overall pick. It, especially Will Levis. I, I get it if you fall in love with the numbers at the combine for Anthony Richardson. You just get caught up in the whirlwind there. Don't pick Will Levis. Don't pick Anthony Richardson. Don't make it too hard on yourself. You're picking a good quarterback from a good school. Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, one of those two, fantastic, right? Your highest tier possible guy that you can pick. Don't pick the other two. So is your prediction the Panthers will take Stroud, number one? I do think that they will take Stroud. Right. I think that he's the better player. I think he's the guy that you trade up to pick. Um, and, and I think that that's overall where they're going to go. I mean, they had the whole scene of him kind of schmoozing a little bit with the brass for the for the pan when they traded up. So I think that it's fair to say that that's who you go up and get. You don't go up and get a guy at number one giving up as much as they gave up unless you've had conversations and you know what the plan is. I think the plan was C.J. Stroud from day one. 
I, I'm going to go with Bryce Young. I think that that seems to be the consensus. I know that's the boring pick for this segment, but I'm trying to get points here. So <laughs> I'm going to go with Bryce Young. I know the knock is the height. Uh, I think that is Carolina's guy. Unless it's a really big smoke screen, it seems like the general consensus in the industry is that Bryce Young is going number one overall. Seems like the Panthers guy, CJ Stroud, depending on where you look, is going number one overall to the Panthers or even falling outside of the top five in some mock drafts. Now, the week of the NFL draft, if you follow this for any amount of time, you know that these mock drafts are total clickbait um, on some websites. Some of them, the ones that you see on Wednesday night and Thursday morning are going to be less clickbaity, but this time right here, literally the weekend before the draft, is prime clickbait hot take season. So it's really hard to trust anything that you see, but CJ Stroud is going all over the place. For this pick uh, and me picking, obviously the betting value would be CJ Stroud at plus 1,000, but I'm going to take Bryce Young for my uh, just pick for this instance here. The really interesting thing is number two to the Houston Texans because general consensus throughout all of the offseason was that they were going to take whoever Carolina ends up being Carolina, but whoever trades up to Chicago, Houston's going to take the other quarterback. That team's going to take the quarterback. Houston will take the other one. But now we're hearing rumblings out of Houston that they might go defense at number two. I've seen some draft experts even say that Tyree Wilson is the odds on favorite to be landed by the Houston Texans at number two. If you're looking at betting odds, Will Levis is actually the betting favorite. Um, I'll let you guys do with that information what you will. But <laughs> will Levis is the betting favorite at minus 120, followed by Tyree Wilson at plus 300. Will Anderson at plus 500. CJ Stroud all the way down at plus 500. Bryce Young, obviously, if the Panthers didn't pick him, I think he would be a lock to go here at plus 2,500. Anthony Richardson at plus 2,500. And Jalen Carter rounding out the uh, non-just long-shot odds at plus 4,000. I'll go ahead and make my pick here. I think it's C.J. Stroud. I think this defense is a smokescreen from the Texans. It reads like a classic draft week smokescreen to think, oh, we, we need to go defense. We need to go to – that franchise is not taking a defensive player here. Uh, they loaded up on defense in last year's draft. Listen, Will Anderson and Tyree Wilson, I think, are generational talents at the defensive uh, edge position, but this team needs a quarterback. And they lost their last one due to all kinds of craziness breaking out. Even before they had Deshaun Watson, they know what quarterback purgatory is like, and they are currently in it with Davis Mills. So they are going to take their guy, C.J. Stroud, and uh, I think that's really good value right now to get him at plus 500. Yeah, I think you're probably right about that. If it's me, I'm taking whichever the quarterbacks doesn't go first between right. Bryce and CJ. That being said, we're not talking about me. We're talking about the Houston Texans. And I don't have a lot of faith in their front office, if I'm just being completely That's, candid. That is These are the people who sold fair. away Hopkins and, you know, Watt. Watt yep. And they just sold them away for basically nothing. I mean, they, they got pieces back, obviously, but not worth what those generational and also what it means for their locker room, you know, to take your leaders out of the locker room and just send them away. I don't have a lot of faith in that franchise. I think that, and this, this is just my general feeling. Okay. So this is going off a complete whim right now. I kind of think that they want to take Caleb Williams next year. And so I think that they're going to take Will Anderson here. I think they're going to take Will Anderson and I think they're going to go ahead and say, we couldn't pass up on this good of a defensive end. You know, he's a once-in-a-lifetime type player. You're not going to pass up on him this time. They can take a tackle or a receiver and their you know, next pick in the first or whatever it is. And they just keep going. And then I think that they're going to do another tanking season to get Caleb Williams, which if you could guarantee that that happens and that he looks the same way he looked this year, makes sense. Because if I could get both of those guys, that makes a lot of sense to me. Again, I, I don't trust this Houston Texans front office. If it were me picking, I'm taking whichever quarterback is left to me. Obviously, based on what I just said, I'm hoping it's Stroud. Right? I'd, I'd much rather get Stroud than Bryce at this point. Um, but again, I don't trust the Houston Texans to pull the trigger on that one. If I was just going to go off of a what would it be funny, what's your Daniel Jones moment there, 
right? I'm going to say they pick Will Levis here because that'd be hilarious to watch them pick Will Levis with that number two overall pick and watch the fan base implode. So that would be my own personal kind of ha-ha moment. With it being said, I do think they take Will Anderson and they get their quarterback next year. I think that's a fair point. And I think there's going to be a lot of teams in the uh, Caleb Williams sweepstakes next year. I talked, if you listen to our mock draft show, that's why I had Arizona trading down um, and just kind of punting this year. And I think I had them, I, I can't even remember who I had them taking, but I had them taking, oh, uh, Gonzalez out of Oregon is who I had them taking when they traded down. But yeah, I, I, it, it would make sense. I think you've seen a lot of teams recently. Uh, I'm thinking of Jacksonville specifically kind of building up the rest of the team before taking the actual generational quarterback. Mm-hmm. A lot of guys, you know, CJ Stroud, Bryce Young, I think they're going to be solid NFL quarterbacks, but not necessarily the generational talent that scouts are saying Caleb Williams is going to be. And also top to bottom, if you miss out on that number one pick, the quarterback class next year seems to be a bit deeper than the one this year. The tier, the top tier is a little bit deeper. Um, so yeah, I, I don't mind that bet there. Will Anderson is definitely the top guy on the board. I think if I'm going defensive player, though, all the rumblings seem to be Tyree Wilson going number two overall to Houston. I'm thinking Brian Broaddus out of Dallas, who is like our area's number one draft guy, um, has been saying his sources are pointing in that direction. Um, Clint Storner, the former Arkansas QB who now covers the Texans in Houston has been hearing a lot of the same things. So lots of Twitter rumblings for the Texas tech edge, Tyree Wilson to, which if he goes number two overall, that is awesome for him. Like I I would be so happy for the guy that started his career at Texas A&M and then just bloom bloomed into an amazing prospect at Texas tech, but we'll see. I, I, you're absolutely right to say, you know, the team that couldn't even, that f- literally fumbled away the number one pick this year um, by winning on the last right. week when they didn't have to and it changed nothing, um, could definitely mismanage the situation. So, yes, um, yeah, who, we'll see what the Texans do at number two. First defensive player drafted. I think your automatic pick based on your last one would be Will Anderson. Um, right. I, I would take Will Anderson here for the first defensive player. I To be clear, I think... Tyree Wilson is the better edge player. I think he's much better on the edge in terms of rushing the quarterback, playing the edge, understanding your assignment there. I just think Will Anderson's a little bit more versatile. I think he does a few more things better. And I think that he's the type of guy that because he's played at Alabama, you like the pedigree there. And you like the fact that he's played at the highest level. You've seen him dominate the highest level. Whereas with Tyree, you know, you're, you're, this isn't any knock on him, but he plays in the Big 12, hasn't necessarily played against a massive opponent in like a big bowl game. Um, and, and while I do think he checks out to be the better edge player, I just think Will Anderson's a little bit more trustworthy with that, you know, higher selection draft pick wherever he ends up getting slotted, whether it is two or whether he gets picked, you know, three, four, five, somewhere along the way. So I, I just think I would trust that a little bit more, though, if I am the guy turning in the card, I'm full well knowing I'm turning in Will Anderson and I might be kicking myself for not taking Tyree Wilson here in a good, you know, three to four years. And I think, and I'll go ahead and run down the full odds list. So Tyree Wilson is actually the odds on favorite currently on Sunday afternoon to be the first defensive player drafted at minus 145. Will Anderson checks in at plus 125. Jalen Carter out of Georgia at plus 2000. And then the pair at the top consensus, top two cornerbacks are uh, both at plus 4,000 Devin Witherspoon out of Illinois and Christian Gonzalez out of Oregon. I, I'm right there with you, Garrett. I think I'm going to bet, I'm going to be a little boring, and I'm going to take Will Anderson as well as the first uh, defensive player to be drafted. Tyree Wilson, so much smoke coming out of him, and obviously the Texans could blow this up by taking him at number two. But I think if you're a GM of an NFL franchise, more often than not, even the Houston Texans, who have been you know run so poorly in their history as a franchise, even the Houston Texans front office, I think, thinks in the way that, hey, if I'm going to mess up, I'm going to mess up with the guy that everyone says yep. should be the pick, right? And that's Will Anderson. That's been Will Anderson since, you know, last fall, fall 2021, when yep. he really broke out onto the scene. Everybody was talking about him as a possible number one overall pick. So I think if you're going to go down as a GM, you can point to the fact that you picked the guy that the whole NFL was wrong. If you're wrong about Will Anderson versus Tyree mm-hmm. Wilson, if you pick Tyree Wilson and it ends up blowing in your blowing up in your face, and Will Anderson is just a generational talent, that's the kind of decision that gets you fired, not yep. the other way around. So, 
I'm going to go with Will Anderson there as the first defensive player drafted. Now we get into some really fun situations. And uh, I don't know how much of these mock drafts you followed recently. Trade-ups are the hot ticket right now mm-hmm. in the last couple of weeks. Let's talk about a couple. Uh, our last, our next four, excuse me, are player-specific. So first one, we're going to talk Anthony Richardson. Which team will pick Anthony Richardson? We've got the Titans at plus 200. The Colts at plus 300, the Seahawks at plus 380, the Raiders at plus 380, the Texans at plus 1600, and the Lions at plus 2000. You can bet on any NFL team, by the way, but those are the ones that just aren't total long shots. So, right. Anthony Richardson, the most polarizing prospect in this class. To me, I think he goes to a team that has their quarterback situation already pretty locked up for at least this year, and is looking to build for the future. So to me, that's the Titans, that's the Colts, that's the Seahawks. In our mock draft, I had the Raiders trading up, who just got Jimmy Garoppolo uh, to get him at number four. They had them or had them trading up to number three with Arizona to get him right after the first two guys were off the board. Uh, trade-ups are always tricky to predict, and that's the tricky thing with the Raiders. They are in probably the worst position to make this pick. I'm going to go with a different team uh, to trade up, and that is going to be the Seattle Seahawks. I think that they really like Anthony Richardson. I think he fits their scheme. He fits what they want to do. Think about all the years we've had Russell Wilson just picking deep shots very carefully. Geno Smith did the same thing last year and was really, really good at it. Anthony Richardson and that offense that they run up there in Seattle, I think that might be the best actual fit in the entire NFL outside of maybe what Baltimore is doing. So give me Seattle. I think they make a deal to get it done. They jump up with division rival Arizona. That could be really tough uh, making that jump up, but he's not going to get past the Colts at number four. So the safe bet might be the Colts. Well, I mean, lead me straight into it. I'm going to take the Colts to pick him. I I looked at an interview that the GM did recently and he was kind of smoke screening a little bit saying well I don't have any idea these mock drafts you never know what's going to happen nobody knows what's going to happen and that's not true I think they all kind of know what the first couple teams are doing I think the only question he has is who's going to want to make a deal at three mm-hmm. right he's trying to see who's making a deal at three who goes first are they coming up for Levis or are they coming up for Richardson because that's, right. that's a big debate as well well and also I mean if if some of what we've been saying is true there might be a defensive player taking in the top two, which means that Stroud is still available to go trade up for. Yeah, that just... And I think in most scenarios, whether a defensive player gets taken at number two, whether it's you know Bryce and Stroud going off the board in whatever order in the top two, and somebody tries to make a deal here, whatever order it is, I think the most likely bet is he ends up in Indianapolis. Yeah. And I think that that's a great fit for him, by the way. I think that him being able to kind of sit for a little bit I don't want to say Patrick Mahomes, but the same thing that he did where he sat behind a team with you know a lot of really good pieces and just kind of learned for a year, I think that could go really well for him, especially given the tools that he does have. Um, and I honestly hope that that happens for him because I know that with the Colts, you know, getting kind of left at the altar by Andrew Luck when he decided to retire a little prematurely, um, I know that they felt pretty bad about that. So I'd like to see the Colts be able to get back to an exciting time where they have a quarterback they can be excited about and something to build towards the future with you know I think that'd be a lot of fun for that franchise and I think that they're probably they would be my favorite uh, I know that the Titans are currently the favorite maybe there's just a lot of you know noise that they're going to move up to take him Titans want to trade up that that's the general consensus sure. I, I just think if you're if you're Arizona right because they're at three right now right it's, yeah, it's Arizona. Arizona's at three. if you're Arizona I just think there's too many solid players and if you're looking at okay well I want to get my quarterback next year do I want to take some kind of draft capital or do I want to maybe try a Tyree Wilson or Will Anderson or even a Jalen Carter? You know, there's several good players that you can take at three that I don't think anyone would blame you for taking. So if they're not going to sweeten the pot, I, I don't know that I don't know that they're going to necessarily move out for that. And I don't think they're taking a quarterback this year. So I'm, I'm picking Richardson to go to the Colts. That's a great pick. I think that's the safest bet here because all the other ones rely on trade downs or Anthony Richardson just taking a free fall from where most people have him drafted. So. Yeah, I, I think that's a really great pick. I still love Seattle to trade up here. I'm going to take a little bit of a gamble. But, man, if the Texans take a defensive player at number two, Arizona's phones are going to be ringing off the hook. Yep. 
for that number three pick to come up and get oh, someone someone will come up to get Stroud or Bryce if they're Absolutely. not taken in the top two. Someone will come up to get and then in that case you're still probably getting Richardson to the Colts. So yeah. I think it works out that way. I think the Colts, if you're you know Colts front office, you are begging to hear Will Anderson's name come off the board to Houston. Yeah. Or anybody that's not CJ Stroud really yeah. because that yeah that's gonna just open up a world of possibilities for you if you're in Indianapolis. Let's go to Bijan Robinson, the consensus RB1 in this draft. Who's going to pick him? Falcons plus 240, Texans plus 750, Eagles plus 750, Washington Commanders plus 850, Cowboys plus 1,000, Bears plus 1,000, Titans plus 1,400, Lions plus 1,400, Patriots plus 1,800, and Chargers plus 1,800. Garrett, I'll let you start with this one. What's your bold prediction for Bijan? So I'm going to go a little off the beaten trail. Every single mock draft, it seems like we've done so far, sends Bijan to the Cowboys. And personally, as a Dallas Cowboys fan, I would love to see that happen. With that being said, he has to get there first. I don't know that he does. All the reports this week have said that the Cowboys are looking to trade up to get Bijan possibly. Trade up to get Bijan. That's that's funny. Um, and I'll leave it there for now. <laughs> that's, that's Jerry Jones being Jerry Jones. He... Anyways, um, I'm going to go ahead and pick him to go to the Commanders. Okay. Uh, I think that that's probably where I would slot him in, mostly just because I don't think I can justify the Texans taking him if they're not taking a quarterback. Like I, I And they might take a quarterback, obviously, but I've picked them to not take a quarterback in this situation. So if they're not taking a quarterback, I can't really justify sending a running back there. Well, I think the Texans... Kind of safe pick. So the Texans, I think that's based on they do have two first round picks, right? Year. Yeah. So I think it's. I'm not saying it too obvious. I'm saying in their second pick, wherever that is, well, if they do take Will Anderson there, if you're a team that's already taken, like let's say Will Anderson, like I picked him to take, I don't think you can justify taking a running back in the first round at that point. Um, I think you have to go take a safer bet or, or a better decision type of play. I think that's what the draft sort of checks out to be. If that's you. Um, and then I don't think the Eagles would take him, obviously, just because I, I think that they have plenty of running backs. I think they're going to go a different direction there anyways. Um, Falcons are on there. I don't see that as well. I think Falcons have so many other needs at this point um, besides running back. Um, they, they've they've got a lot of work to do in Atlanta. Um, and so I'm going to pick them to go to the Commanders. I think that they have a lot of really good, talented pieces. They don't really have that running back. I know they have a lot of pieces that they like, but – Obviously, picking Bijan is going to send them over the top and give them their running back. Um, and, and again, you can make the comparisons. When their coach was in Carolina, he used uh, Christian McCaffrey that way. Is this going to be his new Christian McCaffrey type? I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, I think that's a good pick. And, you know, the the Washington Commanders, if they want him, they will have the opportunity to take him before the team that I'm going to pick. I'm going to go with kind of a long shot, but a team that is really needy of a running back, I'm going with the Los Angeles Chargers here. Wow. I mean, maybe this is just a fantasy football trade talking that really wants to <laughs> in that offense. But, man, the Chargers, if you follow the NFL at all, you know that Austin Eckler asked for a trade. They couldn't find a trade partner. And he. this is going to be his last year in L.A. So mm-hmm. the natural transition, the Chargers will be taking a running back in this draft, in my opinion, somewhere. And I think if he is on the board at, uh, I'm pulling up the order right now, if he is on the board at 21, they're taking him. And if he's not, they're probably going to take a tight end. So I have them in our mock draft, we had them passing on Bijan. I think if that situation was in real life, they would be taking Bijan Robinson and running that pick up to the podium. But obviously the commanders are there before on the clock before the uh, Chargers, so they could really muddle up that plan for me. Garrett, Next one is a simple yes or no question. Will Hendon Hooker be a first-round pick? It, it hurts me to say it. I'm going to say no. I think he should be. I honestly think he deserves to be. People act like he's not the guy who is the obvious front-runner for Heisman lighting things up last year. I, I know that he hurt himself. I know he's a little older. That that doesn't affect me, right? I think if you're looking for a quarterback, especially because he's not, this isn't Brandon Whedon we're talking about here, right. okay? He's not that old. I understand he's like, what, he's like the same age as Lamar or something like that. Yeah. I understand that. At the same time, you get a guy who can sling it like that. You're on the back half of this, you know, first round. You might be a team in need for a quarterback. You might be a team, maybe not even in need for a quarterback, but you've got an aging quarterback who, you know, is 
you know, past his prime looking for a replacement, go draft Hendon Hooker. There's worse players you can draft. I don't think he gets drafted in the first round, but I hope for his sake that he does. I would hate to see him slip out of the first round after the amazing season he had last year. I'm going to say yes, and I'm going to say yes because of the way the NFL does rookie contracts. Because if you draft someone in the first round, you get them for five years. If you draft them in the second round, you get them for four. So he's not slipping past the second round, in my opinion. When I look at the board, I see New England. I see Washington. I see maybe Pittsburgh, depending on how they feel about Kenny Pickett, and Tampa Bay in the teens as teams that could definitely take this or Seattle if they strike out on the quarterbacks in the first round or the top 10. Right. So I say, yes, I think there's enough teams that are willing to do it. And I think if he would have, I think teams are starting to say to themselves, if this kid doesn't hurt him, hurt, get hurt in the middle of the season, he's a bona fide first round pick age is literally the only concern with Hendon hooker. So I'm going to say, yes, I think he is the surprise extra quarterback taken somewhere in the back half of the first round. And I he really would be fantastic in Tampa Bay. Right. No. Yeah. I, I don't think Kyle Trask is the answer there. And um, they have not made a lot of other significant moves at that position. And, you know, clearly Tampa Bay doesn't care about age at the quarterback no. position. So they bought Tom Brady well past his prime. <laughs> yeah. And, and they got a Super Bowl out of it. They so did. I think that number 19 pick in our last mock draft, we had Brian Breesey. Out of Clemson, picked uh, penciled into Tampa Bay, but listen, if Hendon Hooker is there at nineteen, which he might be, he probably will be. I think Tampa Bay. It's going to be hard for them to pass up on that with their current yeah. quarterback situation. Let's go to the last player focused one, Garrett. Uh, let's talk Stetson Bennett because the odds for him to be drafted. You can pick which round he will be drafted in. I'm not going to read through all the odds, but Garrett, just quick prediction: What round is Stetson Bennett drafted in? I'm going to give him six. Okay. He deserves more than that. I'm going to give him sixth round because it seems like nobody wants to draft this guy. And this is still maybe the most insane thing to me. I just got finished talking about Hendon Hooker and obviously him being as good as he was. Stetson Bennett, he's won back-to-back national championships. This guy, all he's done is win in his college career. He did it at a place that hadn't done it in 40 years. Yeah, George has been good, but... I mean, they hadn't won a championship in 40 years. He wins back-to-back for them. He's established them as a dominant player, maybe the new dynasty in college football. And he's going to walk out the door, and they're going to say, eh, I don't know. He's not that big. He's not that strong. He's not that fast. He's fine. There's no problem with Stetson Bennett. I I get that he was a walk-on, and he got his scholarship out of that. Guys prove to you when they deserve it or not. Um, this guy has absolutely proven that he deserves it. With that being said, I, I don't know why you don't take a flyer. Even if he gets all the way to the end of the draft, why don't you take a flyer on him? If he's Mr. Irrelevant, take a quarterback who can show up in your locker room, who knows how to win, who knows what it takes to win a championship, and who will be good for at least the culture around the people around him, right? He's a hard worker, obviously is a walk-on. You know, he's got to work hard and earn a spot. So he's not going to come in there feeling entitled or feel like he's got to, you know, be the guy in the locker room. He's just going to go in there and be a good locker room presence. Why not take that guy in the seventh round at the very least? I think he goes a little higher than that. I'd pick him in the sixth round, especially if I'm a team where my quarterback's maybe not 100% or, or maybe I like my quarterback, but I'm in a bad contract situation and he's, you know, kind of stuck there. I might pick Stetson Bennett just to put a, a fire under that quarterback's and button, you know, see what they can do to, to fix their quarterback situation. I'm going to take fifth round. I, I'm going to go a little bit earlier than that. I think that there's going to be a market for Stetson Bennett. He will not go undrafted, in my opinion. Freezing cold takes protected. But <laughs> I don't think that he's going to go undrafted. Garrett, you're right. Like Mr. Irrelevant last year was Brock Purdy. He's starting in the playoffs and winning games and getting a team to the NFC Championship. So right. Mr. Irrelevant can be very relevant. I don't think... There's going to be a team that there's that really wants Stetson Bennett and does not want to let him fall to free agency after the draft and risk not getting him. So someone will draft him. I'll take the fifth round just for the betting odds value at plus 500, but um, fifth, sixth, seventh, he will go in one of those rounds. Garrett, last rapid fire one, just fun one for us. 
first position or sorry position of the Cowboys first drafted player whenever that might be I'll let you have the floor uh look in terms of just positioning because I'm a Cowboys fan and there's things that I'd like to see happen I know that Jerry is just not going to do any of that and Jerry Jones lives to see us miserable I'm going to say that he's going to pick another O-lineman uh, but it's going to be a guy that we don't like. It's going to be a guy that's got bad hands, you know, something like that. It's going to be a slow guard that he wants to play at tackle um, who gets a lot of holding penalties or something like that. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I, I'm just not convinced that Jerry likes his fans. Um, and so I, I'm going to say he takes an O-lineman. Now, this doesn't mean that the Cowboys don't need an O-lineman. I would love to see them take a good, skilled, talented O-lineman. I just think he's going to pick one that we don't like and and – give us nothing to cheer for and nothing to make us happy. So Jerry, prove me wrong. Um, otherwise uh, I'll see which card you decide to turn in this year. I'm going to go the other side of the line of scrimmage. Defensive line is a huge need. Tight end is the betting favorite right now. Plus 175. I think these tight ends are talented enough to maybe not be there at 26. And the ones there's a good chance. Yeah. The ones that might be there are guys like Luke Musgrave um, and a couple other project guys. So I don't think that they want to use a first-round pick on those guys. I think Kincaid and Mayer are going to be gone already yeah. um, by the time 26 comes around. So unless there's a trade-up, I'm going to go defensive line. There's some solid guys that they could get um, in the back of the first round there. So we're going D-line for me. Garrett, this was a lot of fun. You got any big plans to watch the draft this weekend? I know our draft star Mitch is going to be locked in. Oh, we know Mitch is going to be locked in for sure. I'm excited to watch it. This will be towards the end of my, you know, because we both teach. This will be towards the end of my semester for a class that I teach. So uh, we'll be very nice to kind of unwind, relax a little bit, watch the draft, and and see what happens. We we might have something in the works to watch the draft and, and at least do a little bit of draft coverage with you guys. But stay tuned if you want to see what happens there. Stay tuned. Absolutely. Well, for that man over there, Mr. Garrett Turney, I am Trey Reeves. It's been a pleasure with you guys. We'll see you next time, and we will talk some more NFL draft and all the headlines of college football as usual. See you next time, guys.